Welcome to Voices of Indianapolis, where we explore the narratives of innovators, collaborators, and communicators shaping our city. I'm Jeff Edge, your host on this journey. Join us as we uncover their strengths, glean insights into their views of Indianapolis, and unravel the qualities that make them exemplary role models. Through candid conversations, we aim to illuminate their impactful projects, collaborations, and communication efforts that are propelling our community forward. Together, we'll celebrate these influencers, fostering inspiration and dialogue to forge a stronger, more united Indianapolis. Uh, my name is Jordan Bartlett. I am the community program manager for Indie Heartbeat, uh, which is a violence reduction, violence prevention program for youth uh, through Eskenazi Health. Um, I am a certified and practicing life coach. Uh, amongst a few other things that we might maybe get into uh, later in the conversation, but uh, that's that's the basics for now. Jordan, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Oh, man, thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate it. I like to start uh, the interview segment of the podcast by playing what I like to call the Indianapolis 10, as written and developed by Jeff Edge. Are you ready? Okay, let's do it. 10 questions about the, yourself and the city of Indianapolis. Okay. Question one, how long have you li- lived in Indy? My entire life. Oh, geez. Okay. My entire life. Uh, question two. What, by the way, did you bounce around Indianapolis or did you live East in- side, my entire East life. Side, whole, I, don't, <laughs> I don't make it to the west side a whole lot. I'll go north, south, and east, but the west yes, side man. is not- uh, There's a bowling alley over there, but- I mean, west side's got Long's Bakery, man. You can't- uh, Long, okay. Long's Bakery, Nick's Chili- <laughs> You know, I can't, and I and I found my wife on the west side, man. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not complaining. A fella did tell me that the best gas station chicken is on the west side. Now that I would disagree. With. Oh, okay. However, <laughs> but they do have some good stuff out there for sure. Question two: What's your favorite spot downtown? Uh, probably Brew Burger. Oh, okay. Probably Brew Burger. Deceptively good nachos at yeah. Brew Burger. Yeah. Uh, question three: What is the best place in Indianapolis to take a dog? Oh man, I don't have a dog. Um, I'm sure you've seen some around. Best place to take a dog. I mean, probably, probably, maybe the canal. I don't know. That's a good. That's a good one. We walk the canal a lot. My girlfriend and I and our our dog Ollie. That's that's a good walking spot. That what is the best seasonal activity in Indianapolis? Now that could be any season. So all right, I'm I'm gonna go. It's probably a little recency bias, but I'm gonna go with the State Fair. Okay, that's go a good one. Fair. You ate a lot of food at the state fair. Try I love everything. fair food, uh, yeah. but I can only eat like I couldn't eat that all the time. No, but like <laughs> once a year that the fair is here, for sure. I'm sure some people try. <laughs> oh man, I'm just like I feel like crap after the fair every yep. single time. So, but it's great. Uh, five. Who is making Indianapolis a better place? Man, um, the people that love the city, um. You know, you, you got people in every sector. You got educators, you know, you got faith leaders, you know, you got youth. Um, I think that anybody that truly loves the city of Indianapolis is trying to do something, you know, to make it better. I might show that I, I, maybe I'm not one of those people. Do we have a name? Indianapolis people have a name? Um, I mean, we're Hoosiers. Yeah. I guess that's Indiana. Uh, it's fair. So like, like Chicago is Chicagoans. So honestly, the the name from the neighborhood I grew up in, it it I don't really use it. It gives sort of a negative connotation. Um, but at one point there was a name floating around the Indianimals. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Let's so. take uh, let's take that back. <laughs> the Indianimals. The Indianimals, yeah. 
Yeah. That's that's what we're all referring to ourselves <laughs> as now. Uh, question six. Where should every tourist go at least once? Where should every tourist go? You visit at Indianapolis. Where, oh, do you, where do you go? Um, from what I hear, you know what? I'll give you two. I'll give you, I'll give you the Children's Museum and the zoo. Those are good ones. I, I do hear the Children's Museum is one of the biggest in the country. In the country, yeah. yeah. Our Children's Museum is great. Uh, seven. What is a great date? And or friend group activity. Um, recently, me and my wife went axe throwing. That was pretty cool. I've been there. That's a yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. Those cool. are popping up all over the place now. Yeah, axe throwing is dope. Um, I, there's one that I want to go to. I haven't I haven't had a chance to go yet. But uh, sandbox. You're in what? a sandbox is a uh, virtual reality. Yes, I have. Is that over there near the? It's like uh, on Mass Ave somewhere. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it open not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't had an opportunity to get there yet, but my wife and I we we're super excited about going to that. Oh man, spoiler alert, or or I guess uh, I'll give you some advice. There's a, a place that does uh, bouquet arranging. It's at a brewery. Oh it's, really? I think it's Indie Urban Acres. They do. Okay. Uh, you show up, you bring your own vase, and you get the. They teach you how to make a bouquet, and uh, just real easy points, you know. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You go there, you make some flowers. And, I like it, and she's real happy. So I like it. I'm gonna have to try that, buddy. I'm trying to get into Urban Acres on the podcast. Okay. They do some really good work. Uh, number eight. This is just a rapid fire. Best foods of the Indianapolis area. Um, best pizza. The ordinary and Wanamaker. Okay, I'll add that to my list. Yeah. That's. Ooh. I've been on a, a scouting trip trying to try all the pizza places. The ordinary. Yeah. Okay. Best burger? Uh, I'm going to go with a, with a old East Side classic. I'm going to go with Mr. Dan's. Okay. I've, I've heard of that one. Have not had it. Yeah. I think they have wings too, don't they? Uh, if they do, that'll be fairly new. They, they didn't there's have Mr. Dan's and Big Dan's and Fat Dan's yeah, no, no, and no, Old Dan's. Mr. Dan's. <laughs> Mr. Dan's is the original. Mr. Dan. Okay. Best, <laughs> best taco? Oh, man. Best taco. Um, I don't consider myself a taco connoisseur. I'm kind of, mm. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know. Uh, best chicken sandwich or pork tenderloin. Somebody kill me if I didn't say pork tenderloin. <laughs> I, I was good to chicken sandwich, but I was like, I'll throw in pork tenderloin. The best chicken. Oh, goodness. The best chicken sandwich. Uh, who am I going with? I don't want to, I don't want to do like a chain. But anybody that knows me, if anybody that knows me hears this, they, they would say I'm being very hypocritical if I don't give my honest answer and say Chick-fil-A. Okay. We'll, I am, we'll take it. I am, yeah, Chick-fil-A is, is, is my, it's my thing. You should come by here. Pastor Jason's so, bringing us Chick-fil-A here soon. Oh, yeah. Well, please, I'll make sure you're invited. Please let me know. <laughs> I was there yesterday. Uh, and the last one of the foods question, best dessert. Uh, St. Elmo's has a chocolate cake, man. That's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The chocolate cake at St. Elmo's is pretty insane. Um, and then of course, you know, the cheesecake at the cheesecake factory is great. Man, you're picking a lot of uh, chains, Jordan. I mean, I know, but <laughs> the, I feel like the St. Elmo's chocolate cake is underrated. I talk about it a lot and people are like, oh, I've never had it. But you're, like, also, you're also in noticeably good shape so i don't think you're exactly like trying to hit up all these spots you're Man, like, oh you we be, gotta go get nah, pizza be, everywhere listen i work out because i eat crazy uh, okay so i i have to man if i didn't work out man i'd be i should have asked you like best protein shake or something like that i don't even like, man, i don't even i wouldn't be able to tell you man I'm, i don't even know i 
I have to ask a lot of times when I have to start adding in protein powders and stuff. Like I have to ask oh, some of my yeah. guys that are a little more into it than I am because I'll just go and get whatever packaging looks cool. Same. <laughs> Nine. What is your favorite neighborhood? Oh man, I gotta go. I gotta go on the east side, man. Um, so uh, Arlington between 40th and 46th. Um, uh, so let me let me say this. Here's my borders. Shadeland. Okay. Is is my east border. Uh 46th Street is my north border. Emerson is my west border. And 38th Street will be my south border. So that oh, sort of corner. Okay, that's where I grew up, man. And I, my family's still there. And yeah. Well that that leads us into the final question. Question 10. What's your favorite Indianapolis experience? Oh man. Um favorite Indianapolis experience. It, if we're being honest, man, it's not what it used to be. Um, but man, the Circle City Classic, man, used to be, it used to be the thing, man. It used to be the thing to get excited about seeing which schools were coming this year, and then your local high school would be in the parade that morning, and you know you stay after the game for the Battle of the Bands, and you know it, it, it just, you know, the whole city was there, and you know. I mean, not much crime was happening. You know what I mean? Like it was when I was growing up, man. Circle City Classic was everything. Yeah. Um. So those are the questions. Uh, you were talking about all your life coach experience, and so I wrote down some questions uh, mm-hmm. while you were talking to the the kids, and I uh, came up with the idea: Who is your life coach? Oh man, I got I got a few, man. Um, I think I think. Um, let me preface the answer with this. I think when it comes to coaching and mentorship, I think that you should have multiple um, yeah. because different people pour into you different things. Um, so uh, you know, between my 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 father, you know, my grandfather's, um, uh, my my pastor, um. You know, even even, you know, my friends that, I, you know, I call my brothers like everybody has strengths. And so, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your strength is, like, I want you to to tell me and teach me, you know, in that area. So, man, I'm I'm I mean, my pastor, he's he and his wife is, is like. Talking to them is draining in a good way because both of them are counselors and therapists and. And like that, that's that's the level that they function under. And so, you know, I'm talking to my pastor, and we just chilling out, just talking. And then, you know, you say one thing, and then his mind gets to going. He's like, "Say more about that." And then next <laughs> thing you know, you're in this whole thing, man. And so, um, so I, I really, man, I try to get it. I try to get it wherever, wherever I can. Even people that I don't know personally. So, you know, I listen to. We talked about it off air a little bit. You know, Bishop T D. Jakes, um, uh, Dr. Darius Daniels. Um, Jordan Peterson, uh, uh, Inky Johnson. I love Inky um, Johnson. I yeah, was, I, was, I haven't played him for the kids yet because yeah. I've seen the video about a million times, but <laughs> it's it's coming. Yeah. So I mean, like these guys, like I've never met them, but like you know, you can listen to what they're saying and, and get coaching and mentorship. Yeah. Uh, even from a distance. So I, I try to I try to be a lifelong learner, man. And I feel like that's one of the purposes of this podcast right is finding mentors in the community so if you had to build like a super team of mentors not necessarily specific people but you were talking about that everyone needs an assembly of mentors and Mm -hmm. I always think about that in my own life and if you were to counsel someone 
what sort of mentors do they look for? Thinking about like a financial mentor. Yeah, for I sure. Ne- I so, need somebody for my financial yeah, work. Yeah, definitely somebody for your money. Spiritual. Um, definitely. Right. The Mr. Fix It, like I need help, you know, fixing the water heater or something like that. I need a mentor to show me that stuff. Right? I mean, I mean, I don't know if that's a necessity. It is for me. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I don't like spending money if I don't have to. Yeah. Like right now, my dryer is taken apart right now because oh, like I'm waiting on a man. part to come in that I ordered off Amazon. <laughs> Because I just refused to yeah. call somebody else to come and fix it. Um, I was fixing my water heater a couple of months ago, man. And I got an uncle that's a plumber. And so yeah. it wasn't going like I needed it to go. And I called him. I'm like, what do I do? And he's walking me through it. But that's not, you know, some people, they like, listen, I don't mind just paying somebody and having them come out and do it. So yeah. it's good to have, not necessarily a necessity, but it's definitely good to have. But definitely somebody for your money. So a financial coach or mentor, a spiritual, relational. Um, you know, you need somebody not even just for romantic relationships, but somebody that can help you to maximize opportunities to develop, you know, even personal and professional relationships. Um, um, then you just need somebody that, that is, that, that will call you out on your stuff, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like you get a lot of that best friend right there. Yeah. Like tells you when you're acting like a fool, you need somebody to like, like, nah, that's not a good idea. And you're like, no, everybody I told said it's a good idea. I'm telling you it's not a good idea. And here's why. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so you need that person. Um, I, I would say, I would say to have a mentor or a coach in whatever area of life you want to succeed in. Hmm. So if you don't care about success in the area, don't worry about getting coaching in it. But any and all areas of your life that you want to have success, you should have. I won't be seeking out a, a football coach anytime soon. Like I'm not. Uh, I mean, so so even with that, right? Like like I get the I get the joke, but then it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like, you know, but a fitness coach, right? Well, like that, a that fitness I coach. Specifically, did not say fitness. You know what I'm saying? So reason, like yeah. like you know, and you can use if you find the right fitness coach, they can use football as a means yeah. of getting you in shape because. You know, me just going into a weight room is boring. I don't want to do that, right? But, like, we can use some football drills. We can be yeah. out on the field. We can, you know what I mean? Like, we can, we can use that as sort of the carrot, right? And yeah. so even though, you know, the chances of you going to the NFL are pretty <laughs> slim, um, you can still be close to the game in a way that benefits you. And I, I think about that, talking about finding different mentors in different times of your life. I feel like everybody should at least work with a personal trainer once not mm-hmm. consistently every week maybe mm-hmm. but when i worked with a personal trainer he was finding stuff with my body where he's like why can't you do that with your knee yeah and i was like oh i didn't even notice i couldn't yeah uh, oh this knee starts moving real funny yeah. it turns out like i yeah. got hit by a car when i was 18 and it's like lifelong damage and just my knee doesn't turn the right way and yeah. i wouldn't have known it if i didn't have somebody pointed out to me yeah. you know i mean that's what coaching is is really all about is is you know if you think about sports right like like the coach's job is to see the game from a perspective that the player doesn't yeah, so that the player can execute. You know what I mean? And so um, that's really, that's really all coaching is. Mm-hmm. And so even when I'm dealing with youth, young people, like I'm telling them, like, I'm not, I can't get out there and play the game for you. Like mm-hmm. my job is to give you the information and as a coach, help you to develop a strategy, but ultimately it's up to you to execute. I have a book sitting over there that I brought in for a student. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Reggie Love? He was uh, he wrote an autobiography called Power Forward. He played for Duke basketball under Mike Krzyzewski. Okay. And okay. then, I don't know if you ever watched The West Wing, 
mm-hmm. uh, where like Charlie Dulé Hill's character was like the President Bartlett's body man, where it's like the president always has a body man oh, right. that, that is just like your number two, your yeah. right hand man. He does everything for you. He's yeah. like usually the first to the, the first person you see every day, the last you leave. Um, he was Reggie Love was that for President Obama. Okay. And so he writes this book called Power Forward, where it's just like I learned from two all time great coaches yeah. like Shashevsky and Barack. Yeah. And here's what I've learned. It's a fascinating read. Interesting. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Just the, check it out. all the things that he had to say in his time is just is a, a well-written book. Um, you talked with the students about motivation and inspiration, and, and you said the word there. They're foundational. They're at the floor. You started to talk about like low-level functionality, but I think you, you got past that. Um, and then you said something interesting, and I was I was over here thinking about it. You said their motivation and inspiration are temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, are they foundational if they're temporary? Would you rather build around discipline or routines? Like, can you elaborate on? Yeah. So on that? so so if you think about if you think about the foundation of um, a building structure, right? Whether it's a commercial building, a home, whatever. If you think about that foundation, if you're having a building built. Um, you go to the build site and it's just all dirt. Yeah. And then you go back to the build site and the foundation's laid. And that's something to be excited about. Interesting. But if I go back, you know, two weeks later and still all we have is foundation, you got a problem because I can't live on that. Yeah. I can't get started without it. Right? Like I can't start building until the foundation is laid. But I can't live on foundation. Like I need I need something built on top of the foundation. And so that's why I wanted to make sure that I cleaned up my language in terms of, yeah. you know, not saying low level functionality, that's not accurate, but, mm. but it is foundational, yeah. right? Because, because the, the motivation and the inspiration that it takes or that it took to start a thing yeah. was necessary for you to start the that's thing, interesting. right? So if you're, if you're in my home, and you're downstairs, you're standing on foundation. But once you go upstairs, you're no longer standing on foundation. But if that foundation's not yeah. there, you got a problem, a right? Point. Like so like, um, um when we say is it temporary, like it's it it is, right? Because we know motivation and inspiration. Like I can be motivated one minute and something can happen and deflate it. Same thing with inspiration. I can feel yeah. really inspired as a life coach and and, a, and you know. Some of what I do is, is you know, kind of lecturing and, and inspiring. And, you know, when you leave the room, you'll feel inspired. But what happens, you know, a week from that day? Yeah. Right? Like, and so, um, but if you leave the room inspired and you immediately get to work and start your build, right? Like, you can. Yeah. And, and whenever you need to reset, you can go back to be motivated and inspired again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so. So when I go back to this building, I'm no longer looking for foundation. However, when I see walls getting put up, I'm motivated and inspired yeah. again. And then, you know, I see the studs and the and the plumbing go in and I'm motivated and excited again and inspired again. Yeah. But I can't stay there. Right. Like, sure. that, like that's not going to it's not sustainable to just stay. If you only stay in motivation and inspiration, you'll never actually complete anything. That's a great point. I've been going to the gym at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. for years now, mm-hmm. uh, every weekday, and it's just what I do. And I, when I think about 
what started it it was inky johnson videos yeah guy. I go, i'm gonna go to the gym there was like a yeah. really good nike running video where it talks about like you hear that uh you hear that breath breathing down your neck that's you like yeah. your fears your insane. Yeah. And I, I love that video yeah. and I, I i realized i go man i haven't watched those videos in years yeah and i go oh because when i wanted to watch the health videos and i wanted to watch the here's how you build your workout and mm-hmm. here's the what how you what food you got to watch out for it's like i wasn't interested but yeah. i was interested in inky johnson videos yeah. that got me to the gym yeah. and now i get up every morning just because i get up every morning mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like my, if I try and go back to sleep, my body's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're supposed to be in the gym right yeah, now. For like, sure. Oh, yeah, that's right. You for know? sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, you, I mean, you need those resets, you know, sometimes. Like, like, you definitely want to make sure um, that you're being motivated and inspired, but you don't want to be dependent on that. Mm. Um, I was going to ask you this. Can you help someone who can't help themselves? Can you help someone who doesn't want help, I guess? Um. Let me say this. I, I think you can if you can get them to understand that they have to want to. Yeah. Right? So, so if I initially am speaking with someone and I'm realizing very early on they don't want to help themselves. Yeah. If I can break through and help them to understand like, hey, listen, this only works if you want to help yourself, then yes. Is there- if we're not able to break that wall down, you you will you will kill yourself trying to help them mm. which is why lifeguards wait until you start drowning That's before they a, jump in yeah oh wow <laughs> that because, was he- that was heavy <laughs> yeah cuz cuz if you because initially when you start to drown you're fighting yeah right like you're trying to save yourself like you're fighting and if i jump in you'll fight me off while i'm trying to help you yeah so sometimes i got to wait and let you start sinking Wow. And then I can pull you out and resuscitate, right? But I, I can't do that while you're fighting me. Sure. I won't do that while you're fighting me. Wow. So, I mean. I think you said on Monday when you were working with the kids that you are not an optimist. Is that right? I don't consider myself to be an optimist. I consider myself to be a man of faith, but yeah. I don't consider myself to be an optimist. I consider myself to be a realist. And yet it seems like. You don't seem like the type of person that if you showed up for a meeting to life coach somebody, you're like, you're never in a place where you're like, I can't, I won't be able to do this one. Is there anything that they can say in that first meeting? You're like, you know what? This isn't going to work. Well, like I, I, I mentioned this before with life coaching, typically, I mean, people at that point. It's not mandated. Oh, yeah. Like they're wanting the help. So you, yeah. you got to think they've sought you out specifically, right? Like they've yeah. sought you out as the coach. They figured out how to get in contact with you. They've made some sort of deposit. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like, they've done all of these steps where, like, when you come into that room, you're like, okay, if you really didn't want to be here, you wouldn't <laughs> be. Right? <laughs> um, but but at the same time, there is, you know, like I said before, there, there's situations where individuals will do all of that because they have assumed that it's going to go a particular way. Mm-hmm. And then once they realize it's not going that way, then... You know, there's a little bit of backpedaling. So it just kind of depends. You mentioned on uh, Monday, I think it's called the 20 times rule. 10x. 10x rule. I had to go look it up because I go, what's he talking about? Yeah. You want to explain the, the 10x rule? Yeah. So the 10x rule is, is not is not my concept. It's Grant Cordon. He has a book called the 10x rule. And essentially, the, he uses this literal example um, in the book. He's basically like, 
um, we're not going to reach every goal. Mm-hmm. We're going to fail sometime. Yeah. So the question is, do you want to fail big or fail small? So would you rather fail at the $1,000 goal or would you rather fail at the $100,000 goal? Yeah. So if I reach, if I reach 80% of my $1,000 goal, I only have $800. If I reach 80% of my $100,000 goal, I have $80,000. So it's like if you just boost the, the goal, even if you fail, you still got further than what you would have had you not exercise the 10x rule but the 10x rule doesn't work just because you extend the goal so the 10x rule is my goal is 10 times bigger my effort is 10 times more my focus is 10 times more everything is times 10 Mm -hmm. and so if i do everything times 10 i'll be better off than trying to set these small menial you know tasks and goals and you know i uh it didn't click with me but then i took a few days to think about it and i realized today like I got a picture of Mr. Rogers up on the board. Mm-hmm. And when I got into teaching, I was like, I want to be like Mr. Rogers. And that was my goal. Mm-hmm. Cause like, to me, he's the most perfect, you know, <laughs> like educator working with children. He's yeah. calm. He's, yeah. He just knows always, always the right thing to say. And it seemed ridiculous to say at the time. Cause I was like, I could work so hard and I'll never get close to Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Like it's not in my personality. But then I look back after all the progress I've made 10 years later, I go, man, I got really close, like yeah. compared to where I was. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I want, I said, yeah, last year I go, I want to be Albus Dumbledore and Harry Potter. Like I want to be, <laughs> I want to be that wise old wizard yeah. or like Gandalf the great or something like yeah. Gandalf the great. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But then slowly you start looking like I'm making a lot more progress than I thought I would. For sure. Yeah. 1000%. Is there somebody, where's your 10 X rule? How far, how far down the line is that? Man. Um, my my the the reason why it's 10x for me is because it's it's almost like a voltron right like it's it's a combination of so many people you know what i mean like i want to be able to i want to be able to have the leadership of a john maxwell oh, i wow. want to be able to have the influence of a td jakes you've read some books um, i want to <laughs> be able to have the passion of an inky johnson yeah I want to like, so you talking like a Voltron, which, uh, which makes it a 10 X concept because like these guys are like so far ahead of everybody else in their field, man. And so, yeah. um, you know, if, if I could, if I could do that, that would be great. That would yeah. be great. Um, what do you wish someone would ask you about in your work? Cause sometimes it seems like you have so much knowledge that you want to impart on the kids, but you're holding back just for their sake a little bit because their head might explode. Is there something, <laughs> is there something that you were like, I wish I could teach you this right now, but no, you're not ready no, for it? No, I, don't, I never have that because I also understand, like, I also understand most people are only able to process on the level of their exposure. Mm. Um. So even as the coach, right, like I have to continue to expose myself to concepts and principles and theories and yeah. philosophies and because I can only coach based on level of my exposure. So when I'm dealing with even with students, it's like it's not that I wish I could tell them this because it doesn't even matter if I tell them or not, if they've not yeah. been exposed to certain things, oh, it's not even it doesn't even matter. Have you ever heard T.D. Jakes tell the story of Moses and the burning bush? Man, I've probably listened to everything <laughs> T.D. Jakes has ever said. <laughs> he talks about, he goes, you know, how does Moses 
walk past a burning bush and you don't even notice it? That's ridiculous. And then he had to come back. And when he, he goes, that burning bush shouldn't be there. That's when God talks to him. Yeah, the so, bush. so the, so the, the, the whole thing, even with, with Bishop Jakes's, uh example of it, the reason why he didn't notice it was because oh, it was so normal. So the Moses, Moses at this time is in a desert. Yeah. So it's not uncommon for brush to catch on fire. Yeah. Right. Oh man. But, but the reason why he doubles back is because he's realizing this bush shouldn't still be burning. The bush never burned up. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah. It just stayed burning. Like, and it's like, okay, that is not normal. Yeah. Right. Like, so that's why he has to then yeah. double back. It's not because it's not the, it's not the fact that this bush shouldn't be burning. It's about the fact that this bush shouldn't still be burning. What's happening over here that this bush hasn't completely burnt oh, up. Man. And, uh, T.D. Jakes turns it into the line that it stays with me where he goes, that just means if something doesn't draw you, it's because it's not for you. For sure. You know, I think about that where 1, there's, there's things you want to say. We're like, well, it's not going to draw you right now. And that, that's OK, but maybe it'll draw you later. Yeah, I literally was just having a conversation with someone earlier today. I was at a community partner meeting. And I was saying that, like, society in general would be a lot better off if people only functioned in the space they were called to. Oh, man. So the so so what happens is we have a surplus in certain areas because oftentimes it's groupthink. So we have a surplus in certain areas where other areas get neglected. But if everybody functioned in the area they were called to, then everything would get addressed. Yeah. So, you know, to that point, like if it doesn't draw you, it's not for you. Like it's the same thing. Like if you yeah. if you function because a lot of people th- this is the thing, like a lot of people misconstrue dysfunction with disability Mm. so dysfunction means that it still functions it just doesn't function to the best of its ability yeah disability means it's not able to right so a lot of people are functioning and because they're seeing some progress they assume that this is what i should be doing not realizing that you're still functioning in dysfunction wow I think about it with politics, and that's what made me think of it when you said that, where I'm like, how many people get sucked into arguments that they don't have the understanding of or the skill set of, or, you know, like, oh, we're going to talk about how to make the school system better. It's like, we don't have any clue how to fix that. But, but at the same time, if we, if, we were to, if we were to look at as a society, when we are electing our politicians and we come to the agreement like, hey, this person has an educational background, so we need them on the team. This person yeah. has a community background, so we need them on the team. But instead, building those mentors, instead, those life coaches. Every politician wants to be an expert in everything. Yeah. And then you have, you know, you have an issue. I build my team based on my weaknesses. Oh, man. You know, like I, I know what my weaknesses are, and I put people around me who, ha- who are strong in the areas that I'm weak. Yeah. And that comes from a sports background, right? Like, the reason why there's more than one coach on a team is because everybody has like a knack. So like some coaches are great with X's and O's yeah. and, and, and then some coaches are great with adjusting, right? Making adjustments in the, in the moment. Some coaches are great with connecting with the player. You know, that's why some coaches, they're not as good with the strategy, but their players will run through a brick wall for them because yeah. they're, that's their strength. And so as a leader, man, like I just try to make sure that whatever my strengths are, that I put people around me that are whatever my weaknesses are, 
I put people around me that that's their strength. Are there, and I, I, I guess this, this can be our last question because it's a big question. You know, I think about finding truths. Mm-hmm. Um, after, how long have you been a life coach? How many years? Certified, um, I mean, you three. Were in the, you're in the, how long you've been in that field? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so officially certified three years, uh, unofficially probably closer to 10. Okay. Are there any, any truths that you discover? Because some things, Ben, you change your position on certain things over time, I feel like, and you're like, oh, now that I know more about this, I, it doesn't quite look the way that it does. But are there some hard and fast truths where you're like, I think I've discovered that this is true about humans. This is true about people. This is true about the city. This is true about anything. Certain certain life truths, I guess. Um, man, that's pretty broad. Like, like, I, cause every day, like, I'm seeing things that either confirm something, yes, or or reveal something else. Um, I mean, I mean, you you could look at it from different categories. Like, like I remember, um. So my wife and I are um, relationship coaches. Um, so we do premarital and marital, um, not therapy, but counseling and coaching. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just small things, right? Like when I was, when I was, when we went to premarital counseling, it was like, oh, the man should handle the finances. Yeah. And then we realized that my wife is much better at handling finances. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So now when we counsel, we're like, listen, wh- whoever's going to put you in the best position, like, let them do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the ironic thing is I'm better with numbers. So, like, you give me numbers, like, I can calculate them quickly in my head. It doesn't take much. But in terms of remembering to make sure a bill is paid, yeah, oh, no, I'm terrible, man. right? Like, so um, so we learned that very quickly. Um, you know, uh, I even learned about myself that I, I learned that a lot of the decisions I made, um, even in my career, my profession, were really um, were motivated by, by spite. Like oh, I, wow. I functioned with a chip on my shoulder for yeah. a long time. Like I'm, I assumed for people about me. Like I assumed that people looked at me as less than because I didn't have the degree. Right. Like I yeah. made those assumptions for people, even if that's not <laughs> what their thought was. Yeah. And so now I'm in a place where it's just like I'm, conf- I'm so confident in, in who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing that like that's not even that's not even a thing. Which is that's mm-hmm. what I was telling the students like. That's why now I feel more comfortable going back to school because I'm not trying to prove anything. Yeah, just doing it for you. I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it, man. So, like, I mean, every day, man, if you really, for anybody, if you really just pay attention to what's going on around you, you'll see that certain things, you know, just may not be true in the way you thought. Like, like I was taught that in relationships that women are better communicators. It's not true. Right. Like we men and women typically communicate differently. Yeah. man. Right. So if we're speaking two different languages, I can't say that one is better than the other. Mm. They're different. Right. And so now how do we how do we either learn one another's language or learn to create a language that we both speak? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so it's just little things, man. Like. You know, if you if you really for anybody, if you just pay attention 
like you'll realize and be able to see what's true. But you can only do that if you look at things from a learner's perspective. You go mm-hmm. in already assuming you know answers. Right? Like even when I prepare to be with the students on Mondays, I have things that I that I want to talk about, but I can't assume that, you know, um, that they won't or will ask certain questions. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't assume that everybody's had the same life experiences. You know, you can't assume that. So as long as you go into whatever the situation is with the learner's lens. Yeah. I mean, you'll find that, you know, a lot of stuff that you're taught, it might have been true for that individual, but that doesn't make it a truth. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't make it that doesn't make it the truth. Right. Like that was your experience. But your experience isn't necessarily like the truth. Is there anything that you have going on in Indianapolis that you want to tell people about? You want to highlight any anything you want people to know? Man, I would just I would just encourage people to get connected with things that are happening around them. Um, There's some amazing um, groups around the city, some amazing organizations around the city. And with social media, man, we really don't have any excuse not to be informed of those yeah. things. Um, I would just encourage people to be conscious of what's happening around them. Show up for it. If it's not your cup of tea, cool. Um, but show up for it and find out. Don't make the assumption. Uh, go see what's going on. Get yeah. involved. And, and, you know, if we do that, we'll be okay. Is there any way that you want? people to connect with you if anyone wants to reach out for some life coaching advice or <laughs> so like an email you want to give out um, if people are like hey I, I, coach yeah, jordan i need some help not really i i would <laughs> say i would say um i tell you what i i'm in a season right now i'm getting ready to ramp back up uh on my social media postings and things like that uh so i would say just follow the, my instagram uh my instagram is i am underscore Jordan Bartlett uh, and I'll be posting some videos and some quotes and stuff uh, I'll probably be starting that back up around the 1st of September so All right. um, I got a lot going on right now so I'm actually not even accepting individual clients right now that's but a good problem to that's have a way, <laughs> that's a way to stay connected into, into really you know a lot of times if something pops into my head I'll go ahead and post it um, and we engage in conversation in the comment section and then I might go live based on some of the comments <laughs> and all of that so yeah, that's probably the best way to do it for now. This is the Q&A portion of the show where we turn it over for our students to ask questions. Can you share the story behind your journey into a, an influencer role in our city? <laughs> um, that's a pretty generous question. I don't, I don't necessarily consider myself an influencer. Um, but... Uh, I guess my path is one that is, is, it's a situation where, as you all will learn, um, you'll go through situations in life where it doesn't make sense at the time, and it's years and years later where it all, all the pieces seem to fit together. Um, so from the time that I was probably in you know, middle school, sixth, seventh grade, um, I was always the guy that knew everybody's business because people said I was easy to talk to. Um, and then also I didn't share the information. So, um, that's been the case since I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. And so, um, now looking back on it, it makes sense for me to be (laughs) a life coach now. 
Um, and, and even as opposed to a therapist, uh, in my opinion, I think therapists look to uh, find the root of some of the problems and issues that we have. Um, as a life coach, honestly, it's going to sound harsh, but I, I mean it very uh, sincerely is, is that I don't oftentimes really care the, the root of the issue. I just want to help find a solution. Um, and so uh, just kind of the ups and downs of my life just kind of led to that naturally, I would say. Um, and then over recent years, the life coaching industry uh, started to gain more popularity. Um, now, in 2023, you can actually get certified and degree from actual universities. Um, when I got certified, that wasn't a thing. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of happened naturally. If I hear you say something that spikes my interest, I'm going to just keep asking questions. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay I'm with it. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Pastor Jason. Mm -hmm. um, how did you get from, like, point A to point B, like, after high school? How did you get to, like, where you are now? So I think that's one of the other reasons, just even going back to the first question, that's one of the other reasons I went into coaching. Um, I have not gone the traditional path to anything. Um, it's just – just my life hasn't gone that way. My decisions haven't gone that way. Um, so when I got ready to graduate high school, um, some things happened. I had a plan in terms of college. It didn't go that way. Um, so just to keep a long story short, I ended up staying home instead of going off to school. Uh, and I was working and going to Ivy Tech at the same time. Um, and then slowly but surely, I started putting more time, effort, and energy into work than school. So I transitioned out of school while working at a school. <laughs> so I got out of high school and immediately began working in the education system. Um, and so uh, from there, um, I mean, I just transitioned from one thing to another, but I've always been big on in whatever situation I'm in, what can I learn from this situation? Um, so even right now to this day, uh, we've been completely transparent. I don't have a degree, um, but my life experience, my work experience, my professional experience um, has led me to be able to be on the path that I am now, even without going the traditional um, education route. So I went from I've always worked in the community since I was a little kid. I grew up. Honestly, I grew up in church. So we grew up doing community work from the time like I don't have any memories of not doing community work so between that being you know an 18 19 year old kid myself working with elementary school kids um, transitioning from there um, I started to develop management experience because I managed a retail store um, transition from there and and started to develop my communication skills because I left there and ended up working in a call center um, but my role for the call center was to internally communicate with the vendors that we use. So I didn't deal a lot with the customers. I dealt more so with the vendors. So I was developing communication, um, left there and had an opportunity to develop an organization because I worked as a paralegal uh, after that. Then I went back into community work, dealing with youth again, left there and went into more community work, working with senior citizens and, you know, that transitioned to um, the pandemic, uh, and it was actually over the pandemic that I was able to get my life coaching certification. 
So I came into Eskenazi initially as a life coach. That's what they hired me to do. Um, and now I manage the program that they hired me for. So. Uh, you mentioned that you went back to like helping youth out and stuff mm -hmm. with a few different things. What drew you to that like more than once? I think that I, I think that working with young people, um, I think that people are gifted for that. I don't think that that's something that anybody can do. I think I think a lot of times people assume that because you have information or because you have a skill set that you can teach it. And that's not necessarily the case. When you're talking about dealing with young people, before I can teach you anything, I got to be able to connect with you. Um, and so uh, I can't really take any credit for that. I, I just think that I've been gifted to be able to connect with young people. Um, and one of the reasons I believe that's the case is because I think that young people are a lot smarter than what society often gives them credit for. So I talk to a young person as if they're an adult. I don't assume that they don't know. Right. Like I don't I don't assume that they're not able or not capable. I think that you all are in a space right now where um, it's almost like Play-Doh. Right. So you can be you can be imprinted and you can be molded in a way. Uh, that adults sometimes cannot because they've been hardened by life. And so now it's hard for them to understand new concepts or new ways to do the same old thing. Right. And so um, I really just think that I've, I've been gifted to be able to be able to do that. And I enjoy it. So it works. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody aspiring to do different in the community? Aspiring to do. To make a difference, to make a difference, to make a difference yeah. in the community. Um, I would just say a couple of things. Number one, um, you can't lead where you won't go. So if you want to make a difference in the community, you have to be involved and ingrained in the community. Um, and then number two, uh, I believe that people, I believe that people want to be helped, but people don't want to be saved. Um, and so if you go into the community with any sort of savior complex, it's going to be an automatic disconnect in most cases. Um, and so I think that if you're genuine with what you're doing, with what you're saying, if you're genuine and consistent, um, people won't see you as having the savior complex. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, man, we each individual as individuals, we have to start where we are. Um, so before you go out to try to make a difference in one community, we got to look at have I impacted my own first, um, because that's also where you develop credibility, right? And so if 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 you go into a new space, and you know even if your intentions are good, they could be um, perceived differently uh, because. Why are you, you know, I mean, I'm kind of dating myself when I say this, but why are you in my Kool-Aid? You, you don't know the flavor, right? Like you didn't, you didn't take care of, of your own stuff. Like there's a, this general rule of you, you know, you got to sweep off your own front porch first. That's some old country grandmother stuff, but you got to sweep, sweep your own front porch first. And so I think if we really want to make a difference, we just have to really build connection, start where we are. And then if we want to transition out of where we are, that's fine. But before you go in trying to make a change and graph and ingrain yourself in that community, 
um, so that that change can be accepted. I mean, you wouldn't want a stranger just walking into your house, moving around your furniture, right? But if you if you have a if you develop a relationship with someone and you invite them over and they, and you tell them like, hey, they tell you, you know, you wouldn't get so much glare on your TV if you moved it to that wall. You would be more open to that if if we have a relationship. But if a stranger just walks into your house and tells you you need to move this couch and and throw that out, you, you're gonna have issue with that. And so I think if we look at community work the same way, uh, I think we could definitely um, make some positive change. Thank you, little buddy. <laughs> that's his, that, that's obviously his thing. That's his thing. I let it rock. I let it rock. He's he's probably literally half my weight, but but we'll let it. We'll let it slide. Can you discuss a time when a col collaborative project had a particularly powerful impact on the city's development? So, <clears throat> well, what I do right now with Indie Heartbeat, it only works if it's collaborative. Um, I'm only here right now because of a collaboration. Um, so, I mean, it, it might sound generic, but our program works through partnerships. So we could use this setting, right, like as an example of a positive, I hope it's a positive impact. Um, but that only happened through the partnership between Indy Harvey and Purdue Polytechnic High School. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily have access to you all as students had I not been able to develop a partnership with Purdue Polytechnic. So um, just on surface level, I mean, that's a maybe an obvious answer, but it's definitely, uh, I told y'all before, it is my favorite group, so... It's um, definitely the answer I'm gonna go with. Um, what sort of strength have you strengths have you seen positively affect the Indianapolis community? I think I think that um, in Indianapolis's ability to connect the the com to for the communities to connect. Um, I think that if we probably like just sat with no agenda, right? If we didn't have an agenda and we were just sitting around talking, eventually um, you would know somebody that knows somebody that I know, right? And so um, because of that, you know, I, I think that that puts us in position to really be collaborative in our efforts for change. Um, just going back to this group, right? I'm only here because um, I called a family member, um, because the last I knew she worked at one place and I called her trying to get information on that. And she's like, well, I'm at, I'm no longer there. I'm at Purdue Polytech. She then connects me with Coach Riggs, right? And then me and Coach Riggs have conversations and then that leads us to today, you know, going into our third year of, of this partnership. So I think that our ability to be able to connect with one another, I love the fact that our city moves at a speed of some of the bigger cities, um, but it's still small enough that we, you know, people can really know each other um, and really be able to develop authentic relationships. Thank you. Uh, in your time of like trying to help people, have you ever gotten like any sort of negative responses? If so, like what was your thought process in that moment? And like, how did you try and move on from that? So here's the thing about life coaching, man. Um, <laughs> so in the in the in the private sector of life coaching people seek you out um so so typically 
you're able to weed out people who don't really want to put in the work or 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 do what it takes to make whatever change they're trying to make because they seek you out. Um, nobody's ever been court mandated a life coach. Now they might court mandate you anger management, you know, trauma therapy, things like that, but nobody's ever been court mandated life coaching. Um, so typically that weeds out a lot of people. Now what can and will and does happen is that people seek you out and once they find out what it takes to accomplish whatever it is they're trying to accomplish, then, you know, things start to change a little. Um, but also in life coaching, it, it it's it's kind of take it or leave it, right? <laughs> like, like I not not take it or leave it in terms of coaching in general, but um, you know I don't claim to know everything about everything. So if I give you you know steps to take, and you decide that those steps aren't suitable for you, that well that's all I got. So you know either you can do that or you know, take your chances and find another coach that will, you know, require something different. So typically, typically when I face any resistance, um, I typically try to help the individual to see the why behind what I'm suggesting. Um, and then also push them because sometimes you might be reluctant to do a thing, but somebody believing, somebody else believing that you can can oftentimes help to push you to do it anyway. Um, if neither of those work, then we bargain. The bargain is this. You've tried it your way. Your way hasn't worked. If you try it my way and it works, you win. If you try it my way and it doesn't work, well, you're in the same position you were in, so at least you didn't lose anything, right? So that's step three. I only pull that out, you know, when the first two don't work. That's step three. If step three doesn't work, then, you know, I, I will try to help you to find another life coach because I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm not the best fit for you. So. Uh, earlier you had mentioned, like, with life coaching, the first thing you try and do is to connect to the person in mm -hmm. some way. Mm -hmm. What main ways do you try and do to, like, connect to them and get on, like, a, you know, like a person-to-person -person level? Um. Super simple, man. It's, it's, it's probably so simple. Y'all probably wouldn't even believe it, man. When I'm, when I'm coaching somebody one-on-one, -on -one, I just say their name a lot. Um, people like hearing their names. There's studies that have been done. People enjoy hearing their own name. Um, and then I just let people talk. Because also, for the most part, people, people, let me say it this way. Not everyone likes to talk, but everyone likes to be listened to. So you might have certain individuals that aren't that are not super vocal, but when they do talk, they want to be listened to, right? And so um I do a lot of listening. And and you know, between those two things, you know, you set a, a comfortable atmosphere where, you know, we can be open and honest. I told y'all the first day I met y'all, like my only rule is don't lie. Right? Like this only works if we're truthful. If you're truthful with yourself and if you're truthful with me. And I'll give you the same courtesy. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, there's no, like, there's no, like, secret sauce. There's no magic trick. There's no, you know, underlying motive. Like, it, it's literally saying people's name and just letting them talk. And through that, we can kind of develop a rapport 
Uh, and then I'll even share some things about myself. Like if it's relevant, you know, um, obviously if I'm coaching you, it's about you, not me. But if it's relevant and, and I feel like it could help you to see a certain perspective, I'll even share things about myself. So that way, you know, it's, it, it's, it's even, it's not just me, um, trying to fix you. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, a, it's a real partnership. So, uh, how do you like, um, for the most part, balance your, like a life at your job and life at home with, I don't, there's no such thing as balance. Um, the key is not to, is not to lose in the same area every day. So there are nights where I get home late, but I don't do that two and three nights in a row. Um, if I get home late, if I get home late on Tuesday night and it's pretty much time for my kids to go to bed when I get home, I make sure I can pick them up from school on Wednesday. So there's no such thing as balance. You're going to lose at something every day. I can't spend time with my family and be at work at the same time. But I got to be at work so that I can provide for my family. Right. So there's no I'm, I'm not even getting ready to try to spend equal time in both places because that doesn't get me anywhere. Right. Like my my thought is to not fail at the same thing consistently. So I only have an issue if it's been two, three, four weeks. And out of those two, three, four weeks, 80 percent of the time I'm getting home late and leaving early. That's when we have a problem. But for the most part, I mean, it's communication. I tell my wife and my kids, my kids are five and eight. I tell my wife and my kids, hey, listen, next two days are going to be really busy. Um, you know, you might not see me as much. But then the next two days after that, we rocking. You know, we at the park. I'm, I'm at soccer games. I'm coaching the baseball team. You know, all of that kind of thing. Because the key is just to not, I, I mean, balance is, you'll, you'll literally go insane trying to balance and it's just foolish to do because everything doesn't weigh the same. Everything is not equally important. Right? So that's that's how I look at it. I'd say that's actually a pretty good point of view. Appreciate it. How do you stay motivated and inspired to continue your efforts during, even during challenging times? So I think that... Um, I'm trying to be careful with how I say certain things. I know what I want to say. I'm trying to be careful with how I say it. I think that motivation and inspiration are um, are very low-level functionality. Um, I, don't, I don't really – I don't live off of motivation and inspiration. Ironically enough, a part of my job is to motivate and inspire, right? But, like, that's base level. That's – let me not say low-level. It's foundational. Right. You 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 start with motivation and inspiration and then you build on it. Right. So this floor is necessary because it's foundational. So it's not about it being low level. It's about it being foundational. And now if the foundation is right, I can build on that. So I'm at a place right now where I don't really have to deal in motivation and inspiration because now it's just lifestyle. Right. So you're motivated and inspired to do a thing or things um, and you do that enough uh, and it becomes a habit and then you do that enough and it just becomes a part of your lifestyle 
Um, so y'all hear me say a lot when we do our groups on Monday that, like, this is what I do, right? And so when you get to the point where it's a lifestyle, this is what you do, right? Like, it's just, this is what you do. And so now each level you go to, sometimes you need to lay more foundation, right? So now maybe motivation and inspiration kick in for me to do something else. So right now, currently, I told you I don't have a degree I'm feeling motivated and inspired to go back and finish, right? But the discipline that it takes to do so, I have to have regardless of if I, because motivation and inspiration are so temporary. So I go from motivated and inspired to, uh, to a habit, to a discipline, to a lifestyle. So for the most part, I don't really have to deal in motivation and inspiration. If something needs to be done, I get it done because that's what I do. Um, and so even in the coaching space, that's what I encourage a lot of my clients to get to. And if you're at the place where you're still in the motivation and inspiration phase, great. Like maximize it while you're there. Like do everything you possibly can while you're there and do it enough that a habit develops. And then do that enough that it becomes a discipline. And then do that enough that it becomes a lifestyle. Do you ever wish that you have had finished uh, and got that degree? Um, not necessarily, because like I explained before, um, everything that I've done in life has led me to this point. Now, it could be argued that I probably could have gotten in this position faster had I had a degree. Because some of the things that I had to go through, like I had to work certain jobs to get certain experiences so that I could put that on my resume. But if I would have had the, the degree they would have assumed that I would have had these things, right? So, like, it could be argued that I would have gotten here faster. Um, but I think that I think that everything, like, I've learned from everything. So I don't necessarily wish I would have done it differently. Um, but I do see the benefit in it. Um, and, and, and it's because of that that I'm going to go ahead and go back.